Our sermon text this Easter Sunday in the year of our Lord 2022 is found in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 to 7, though I'll also be making reference as well to the other readings that you've heard this morning in John 11 and Romans 8. Listen now, friends, to God's Word as it is written by Solomon, who gives us this poetic account of the power of love over death. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of Yahweh. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, it is absolutely true, and it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts will be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight through our risen Lord and Savior, our Rock and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Love is strong as death. That's what the poet says in Solomon's song. Love is as strong as death. It's a lovely sentiment, a beautiful piece of poetry, uh, so beautiful, in fact, that it is one of the scripture passages that uh, Amy and I chose to have read at our wedding 19 years ago in 2003, and perhaps some of you have heard it read at your weddings as well, or the weddings of others. But is this portion of the scriptures just, just a lovely sentiment, just a a nice piece of poetry, just a a gratifying sentence to to read at weddings to somehow try to illuminate the power and beauty of love. You see, the, the problem with going around saying things like love is strong as death is that our experience in the world seems to argue against its truth. Because every time love comes up against the power of death, it seems to lose. Think of the first death in human history. Adam and Eve holding the broken body of their beloved son, Abel, in their arms. Love is as strong as death, Adam. Eve, love is as strong as death. What would they have said in that moment in response to that statement? We loved our son. They would have said, and now he is dead. So how is it that love is strong as death? And the stories which complicate this piece of poetry continue all throughout the scriptures. Think of the grief of Isaac after the death of his mother Sarah. Think of the tears of Jacob when he buried the woman he loved, the woman he had labored for 14 years to make his wife. Rachel. Think of David 
lamenting and weeping at the death of his friend, Jonathan. Think of Jeremiah weeping over the destruction of Jerusalem and the death of so many of his loved ones put to the sword by the Babylonians. Again and again we read stories where it seems as though love is not, in fact, as strong as death. Stories where death seems to triumph every time. No matter how deep the love, no matter how strong the affection, it makes no difference, all die. I was personally confronted with the reality of this frailty of love in the face of death when my grandmother died about seven years ago, and I traveled to Virginia to conduct her funeral. I had just recently become your pastor here. My grandfather, who has now passed away as well and is with the Lord and with his beloved Joyce. He was a good man, a strong man, not given to outward displays of emotion. He was a combat veteran of World War II and a man who was very much typical in every way of that remarkable generation of Americans. I never asked him this, but I suspect that my grandfather always assumed that he would be the first to death, that he would not be the one left behind by the woman that he loved. That is what happened to his parents. His father died many years before his mother. But Parkinson's disease came from my grandmother, which is a brutal, brutal illness. And it ravaged her body relentlessly until she died, and he watched it happen in slow motion. And when she died, my grandfather was absolutely demolished by grief. This normally stoic man was undone. At the funeral home, we had a few moments alone with uh, my grandmother's body as a family before the service started. It was just immediate family. And her casket would then be closed for the last time after this little time we had there in the sanctuary. And all I can remember about that moment is my grandfather standing by the woman he loved, by her body. This woman he had been married to at this point for 66 years, 66 years, and just openly weeping and saying her name again and again and saying, don't leave me, Joyce, don't leave me here, refusing to leave her side. The love between my grandmother and my grandfather was one of the greatest love stories I've ever known or ever will know. They shared so much together, so many years, so much sorrow, so much laughter, so much love, and yet despite their love, friends, in the end, there he was alone, for she was dead, and his love couldn't do anything about it. So what does it mean that love is strong as death? What do the scriptures possibly mean by telling us such a thing in the face of so much grief, so much evidence to the contrary, so much death? Well, it's just poetry, we might say. Yeah, poets will say anything, you know. Maybe that's just something you say, right? Maybe it's just a, a kind of platitude that speaks to the, the eternal power of love. 
right? The kind of thing that you find in sympathy cards. It's wild, you know, the kinds of things you find in sympathy cards. We'll say anything to try and fight back the horror of death and put something on it. One greeting card writer penned this quote, which was designed, I suppose, to help men and women in their grief. Perhaps you've heard something like it. It goes like this. Love lives on. Those who we love are never really lost to us. We feel them in so many ways through friends they always cared about and dreams they left behind and beauty that they added to our days and words of wisdom we still carry with us and memories that will never be gone. Those we love are never really lost to us, for everywhere their love lives on. And then people put things like that on throw pillows and sympathy cards and little framed prints they hang on their walls, right? I mean, maybe that's what the scriptures mean when they tell us that love is strong as death. Something like that. I hope not. I hope not, friends. Because I tell you what, I don't want platitudes in the face of the horror of death. I don't want some vapid phrase like, love lives on, and those whom we love are never really lost to us. Because I have done too many funerals, friends. I have buried too many people that I love. I've seen too much death and suffering. I have shed too many tears. I have watched too many men and women weep without consolation, including my own grandfather, to give them something like that to hang on to. What I want is a love that is actually as strong as death. What I want is a love that can raise the dead. Because without that, friends, we are lost. We are lost. It seems to me that Solomon's poetry, this line, love is strong as death, that it might have been hanging in the air in his mind when the Apostle John sat down to write the 11th chapter of his gospel, where he tells the story of Jesus and the resurrection of Lazarus. You see, John knew the Hebrew Scriptures. His gospel is full of allusions to the Old Testament. And I think it is not unlikely that one of the reasons that John recorded the story of Lazarus and Jesus is so that we would know, we would know what Solomon meant when he said, love is strong as death. You see, when John begins to tell the story and his gospel, he wants to make sure that we understand that Jesus loved Lazarus, that he was his friend, that Jesus knew this man's name, that he had shared meals with him, that he had laughed with him at table. Lazarus was sick, John tells us, and his sisters sent word to Jesus, and their letter just simply said this, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And as John tells us a few verses later, in case we have missed the point, 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them, John says. But Jesus inexplicably tarries when he hears that Lazarus is ill, this man whom he loves. He does not hurry to his side to heal him as he might have done. He waits, and after two days he tells his disciples those remarkable words, words we must remember, friends. We must hold on to them when we think of our own death to come and the death of those whom we love. He said to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I go to awaken him. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. You see, Jesus was like this about death. It's not that he didn't grieve death's horror. He famously wept for Lazarus when he saw Mary's tears for her brother at the grave, but Jesus was also shockingly casual about death. He once went into the house of a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, who were grieving possibly the most painful thing that can happen to any person, the death of their child. They're in the middle of that moment, and Jesus just walks in, tells everyone, stop crying, she's just asleep. And then he sits down next to the little girl's dead body, takes her cold hands in his, and tells her to wake up. And she does Another time, Jesus interrupted a funeral procession. He just walked out into the middle of the street as the body was passing by, put his hand on the buyer that was carrying the man's body for burial, made them all stop what they were doing. And then he said to the dead man, as though he thought his, his corpse could somehow still hear his voice, he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And Luke tells us that the dead man set up and began to speak. And, and so when Jesus says to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. It wasn't out of character for him. That was simply how he talked about death again and again. Indeed, you see, Jesus in that moment was acting like he believed that what Solomon said was no platitude but the simple truth, that love is strong as death. That wasn't a bit of poetry in Jesus' mind. It wasn't something we should say to make ourselves feel better because our loved ones, you know, they continue on in our memories and so they don't leave us. No, Jesus had no time for that kind of thing. You see, friends, he didn't want the memory of his love for Lazarus to continue on in his mind, in his imagination, and his memories. He wanted his friend warm and breathing again. He wanted to have another meal with Lazarus. He wanted to see Lazarus' eyes light up in the only the way that Lazarus' eyes could and to feel his friend's arms around his neck. And so Jesus went to Bethany to show us that when Solomon wrote, love is strong as death a thousand years before that day, that that was scripture, not platitudes. That that was prophecy. That that incredible statement was absolutely 
true. And above all, that those words that Solomon had written were about him and about the love that he had for every man and woman whom he had made his own. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says to Martha. That's who I am. And then he goes with Martha and Mary to the tomb. And there, after the stone has been rolled away, Jesus stands outside the grave. And he peers into the darkness of death's power. And friends, he does not flinch in that moment. He does not turn away. No, he speaks the name of the man whom he loved so that we would all know beyond the shadow of a doubt that those words, love is strong as death, are no platitude for those who are loved by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Lazarus, he cried out with a loud voice. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus obeyed. He walked out of that tomb. He had fallen asleep, but the one who loved him had come to awaken him. It was a glorious moment there on that hillside in Bethany, a a holy unveiling for all who had eyes to see that the words spoken by Solomon were true, that they actually meant something, that death wasn't stronger than love after all or at least that death might be stronger than most loves. But it was not stronger than the love of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. But then, not too much later, the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead was himself put in a tomb. They killed him, you see. They killed him. This man who loved so fiercely, whose love had the power to triumph over death, to call his friends out of the graves, they crucified him. They nailed him to a cross and left him to die, and he did. He died just like every other man who has ever lived. And you would have been right to wonder in that moment, well, maybe love is not as strong as death. Maybe that is not so true after all. Maybe that is just a thing that people say. But then early on a Sunday morning, almost 2,000 years ago, a woman named Mary came to the garden on the eighth day of the week where they had laid his corpse only to find the tomb empty. It was mysterious, confusing. And she was weeping, John tells us. The tears were in her eyes. It was still mostly dark, and the sun was just rising, just coming over the hill into that little valley where the tomb was. And in the shadows she saw the form the outline of a man. Where is she? Where is he? 
she asks. Where is he? Do you know where they have taken him? And then he says her name. Just as he had done for his other friend at the tomb just weeks before. He speaks the name of this woman whom he loved. Mary, he says. That's all he says. Just her name. Mary. But it was enough, friends. She heard his voice and she knew in that moment that it was true. That love is strong as death. That jealousy is fierce as the grave. That its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of Yahweh. That many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. And if a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. And beloved, I am here this morning to declare to you that the words of the poet are true. That there is one whose love is as strong as death, whose jealousy is as fierce as the grave. There is one whose flashes of love are flashes of fire, the very flame of Yahweh. There is one whose love many waters cannot quench and neither can floods drown it. And if a man offered all the wealth of his house for this man's love, he would be utterly despised. For the love of Jesus Christ cannot be bought or sold. It can only be given and received. For he is the firstborn of the dead. He is before all things. And in him all things, all things, I tell you, hold together. And he says this, friend, this Jesus who loves you with this kind of love has this to say to you even today. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I have the keys of death and hell. That is what the man who loves you, friend, says to you. And it is because of the strength of this man's love, beloved, and the way that it is proved forever by his resurrection from the dead, that the apostle Paul would have the audacity to remember the poetry of Solomon and the story of Lazarus and what happened in the garden with Mary on the first day of the week and then offer these words like a battle cry against all the darkness that has ever been. He said, I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, notice what Paul says there. He doesn't say that nothing, not even death, 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in some generic way. No, he says that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that is because of the resurrection. It is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that no matter what comes, no matter who dies, no matter what we suffer, no matter what we lose, we can comfort ourselves with these words, which are not in any way platitudes, but a solemn promise verified by the risen body of Jesus himself, neither death nor life, friend, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, your Lord. And do you know why? It's because His love is strong as death. His jealousy is fierce as the grave. And the flashes of His love are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. So do not be afraid, beloved. Do not be afraid this day. For you are loved by one whose love is stronger than death. And he has made this promise to you. He has said, truly, truly, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. And friends, that means no matter what happens, no matter how much you lose, no matter how much you suffer, no matter what grave they put your body in, one day the risen Christ will come there to that place. And he will call your name, just as he did for Lazarus, just as he did for Mary. The voice of the living Christ will speak your name, and you will live. Friends, this day we say again and again, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But what we mean when we say those words is this, there is a man whose love is as strong as death itself. And that man has made me his beloved. And one day he, the living one, will say my name. My name. He will say my name and yours. And we will live. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, give us this day the joy of the resurrection. Give us, by your Spirit, the hope that all these things are, in fact, true. We pray it in Jesus Christ. Amen.